Good evening, everybody. This is Robin Nelson with another edition of Wrestle Podcast. And you can follow Wrestle Podcast at Podcast City Network at podcastcity.net. And you can also follow Wrestle Podcast episodes at Wrestle Podcast on Spreaker.com, Spotify, iHeartRadio. And you can follow me on Twitter at WPopcast1, Facebook at Wrestle Podcast. And I'm now being sponsored by Collar Elbow now. So soon I will be getting my discount and everything so you guys can go on and save 10% over at Collar Elbow. And I'm also brought to you by uh, Future Great Comics in Hampton, Ohio, where you can get your up-to-date comic books and back issues. So check out uh, Future Great Comics. Now, my special guest today is Headlock Comics creator and writer, Michael Kingston. How's it going, Michael? Um, pretty good, pretty good. So what have you been up to lately? Well, the grind never stops. Um, we are um, gearing up right now for the last uh, our last show of the year, which is the Game Changer uh, show in Asbury Park on the 29th. And uh, right now, this time of the year, is when I kind of try to slow down my, uh, my insane touring schedule and try to push some, uh, push some of my projects through the... Uh, through the pipeline that's pretty good as well um you worked with david arquette for a headlock comics t-shirt of himself a shirt which i sported as well how'd you and david arquette get together to make this beautiful tea um i i had met him at uh at starcast this uh, this past august we were selling some stuff he was walking around he, he uh he liked some of the artwork that we did and uh we talked about maybe collaborating on a headlock story, and when uh, I, you know, I watched the I watched the death match and the uh, the Doctor Doom cover that we homaged was one of my favorites as a kid growing up. Like Secret Wars is one of the first things I read as a kid um, getting into comics. And I was always kind of looking for the right the right situation there, and I, I guess it just kind of hit with that. So uh, I approached him with it, and he liked it, and uh, we. Uh, into the universe. That's pretty good. It's a great tea, and I'm looking forward to, uh, for you working with them to do a, a story on Headlock Comics as well. And speaking of comics, so you were a big Marvel fan growing up. Did you read any other titles or just Marvel? I read all kinds of stuff. Um, I mostly, I mean, when I was a kid, I was mostly a Marvel fan. Um, and then I guess as I got older, I got more into independent books. Um, it was sort of my. I think I had the same sort of journey toward, you know, with wrestling where you sort of grow up as a WWE fan and then you kind of discover all the other different types of wrestling companies out there. So, uh, yeah, I read uh, X-Men was kind of my jam growing up. That was the thing that really made me uh, a comic fan, Chris Claremont's X-Men. And then I went to college and I kind of got out of it just because it's such an all-encompassing life. And then when I came back, I started collecting again and then I discovered... uh, I discovered Preacher and Transmetropolitan, uh, and then the, the book that I loved the most that got me into writing comics was Concrete by Paul Chadwick, and uh, now I read all kinds of stuff. That's pretty good as well. Um, I loved Preacher, and I also read Sandman. Yeah, yeah, Sandman was a great book, and one of the cool things is that you know Jill Thompson collaborates with me on a lot. She uh, she does our chapter breaks, and she's illustrating. McFoley's story in the next book, so it's cool to have a you know a heavyweight like that be such a wrestling fan and get a chance to 
to work with somebody with that kind of talent. Yeah, she does have a lot of uh, great talent as well. Um, I'm looking forward to having her on as well. I need to reach out to her. <laughs> Um, so you were a wrestling fan growing up too, and you were a huge George the Animal Steel fan. So it was interesting. George the Animal Steel is kind of what made me become a wrestling fan. I don't know if he was necessarily my favorite after that, but growing up, like that was the guy that got me to to sort of fall in love with wrestling. Like you, everybody, you need something to to make you stop and take notice. And I, mean, I was watching the very first Saturday Night's Main Event, and then the uh, I. I happened upon George Animal Steel like eating turnbuckle and he was going crazy and he had hair all over him it just wasn't something that you saw and it made me sort of stop and take notice and I guess from that day I've, I've watched wrestling ever since um, I think well, one of my favorite favorite wrestlers when I was a kid was Tito Santana um, I was really like I was really like watching Tito Santana I, I think as a younger it's interesting now because because of my love of wrestling but like even as a kid, I think I understood that Tito Santana's matches tended to be more exciting than some of the other matches on the show, and I think that's why I tended to to maybe gravitate towards him. And he was in that spot, that sort of the work rate spot, the, uh, you know, on the show where he'd uh, have a great match. I remember seeing him wrestle Terry Funk and uh, for the Intercontinental Title in Syracuse, which is where I grew up. And, I, you know, I'm sure I'm looking at it with rose-colored glasses of a child, but you know what I mean? And there's no recordings of it, but I just remember it being, like, one of the best matches I had ever seen. <laughs> That's pretty good, too. So would that be the most uh, memorable moment of your life of being a wrestling fan? Uh, the most memorable moment of my life as a wrestling fan was being in the New Yorker Hotel for Smaller Joe versus Kenta Kobashi. Um That's probably my peak pinnacle experience as a wrestling fan. Uh, that was probably the best match I've ever seen live. It was the best experience. I mean, everybody in that room, I mean, there was probably, you know, the room was packed. I don't know what the New Yorker Hotel could hold, but everybody in that room was so excited for that match, and there was an energy that I don't think anybody's ever successfully duplicated. Um, I've been around some cool stuff. I've, I've seen a lot of cool matches, but that was my that was my favorite live experience. Um I was, I was live in attendance at the Montreal Screwjob. Um, I was live in attendance at the Royal Rumble 92, the Ric Flair one, um, which is widely regarded as one of the best Rumbles of all time. I've seen a lot of cool stuff. Um, been, I've uh, seen a lot of cool stuff live. I've been to maybe a dozen WrestleManias. So, but yeah, Samoa Joe and Kenta Kabashi. I don't, I don't know if anybody will ever be able to replicate the energy that was in the room that day um, it was crazy I totally believe that as well so how'd you come up with uh, Headlock Comics um, also um, I'm assuming research on you um, you pitched the idea to a lot of uh, major publishers even your local comic store where you uh, live at and you got turned down by all of them yeah it was uh you know, I, I was always a wrestling fan. I was always a comic book fan, and, and nobody made me good wrestling comics. They were always sort of weird, uh, I don't know, like wrestlers doing fantasy things and stuff, and nobody really made a book about wrestling. So, you know, at some point, I kind of just decided that I was, you know, no one was going to write the book that I wanted to read, so I made it myself. And I took it to everybody. I took it to every publisher you could think of, and, uh, yeah, everybody, uh, everybody turned us down. Um, so... 
you know, I, I obviously believed in the concept. So, you know, I started, I started it myself. Um, we started, uh, worked two jobs for almost a year to pay for my first print run, to pay for, uh, around a convention tables and some t-shirts and I started selling my book out of my backpack at wrestling shows. Um, and I started doing conventions and I started to attract the attention of wrestlers who like comics who were there at, at the comic cons as fans. So like that's how I met Shane Helms, Christopher Daniels, Rob Van Dam, like they all had Josh Barnett. I met that way. Like they just, they came by and bought my books from me. And, uh, Eventually, I attracted the attention of uh, Jerry the King Waller, and I had known he was an artist, and I got him to agree to do the covers for me. So he does the, the gorgeous Norman Rockwell covers that are on our trade paperbacks. And then from there, it just kind of it just kind of went onward and upward, and it's been uh, it's been a crazy ride. Like if you ever told me that uh, you know Rick Flair was going to do a story in my comic book, you know I would have called you a liar, but. You know, I'm working on it right now, so it's uh, it's been a pretty, it's been a really, really cool experience for somebody like me who's been a lifelong wrestling fan. Yeah, what's it like working with Jerry Lawler because he's a huge comic book fan as well? It's great, you know. Like, I mean, now, I mean, it's been so long. Like, I mean, it's weird just because. I mean, now, like, he's he's one of my best friends. You know, like he's just a good dude, and he's so much fun to travel with, and we do shows, and he loves comics, and you know, he's. He's a bigger fanboy than half of the guys in the room, and, and you know, so we go and we, you know, we go to Comic Con, we get up with him and whatnot, and it's uh, it's super fun. He's a super like for a guy that's been as famous as long as he has, he's the most regular, unassuming guy. Like he just he doesn't really think of himself as a as a star or anybody who's famous. Like he's just a he's just a super chill guy and super generous and it's really cool to to be able to to work with him he just turned in the cover for the next book uh, last week so we just put it up on an update for our Kickstarter backers and uh, I'm really excited to, to show the world that's pretty good too and you guys did a recently story on PCO as well so we do uh, we do like homage art prints. Uh, I haven't done a story with PCO yet. I'm hoping to, but we did a we did a Hulk, uh, Incredible Hulk homage. It's basically a, an homage to the first cover of the Incredible Hulk um, of PCO. And that's done really well for us. And for the Game Changer show next not next weekend in two weeks in uh, Asbury Park, we did a uh, we did a Fantastic Four homage, uh, Hulk versus Thing. PCO and Masato Tanaka that is going to be really really cool and uh, we'll have some prints available to show talking about making it into a shirt for the event but we haven't quite got there yet but uh, it's super fun I like PCO a lot and I'm super I'm really really glad to see his sort of resurgence this year and uh, he's a good dude and I mean he really I don't know he's doing something that nobody else is doing in terms of character work and and uh, he's got kind of an old school feel, but at the same time, he, he can go in the ring with these young cats, and uh, it's really a fun thing to see. So, what do you think about him making his Ring of Honor debut? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to see the guy get a chance on a bigger stage. Uh, ring of Honor is a company that's always been supportive of me um, from from the very, very beginnings. Um, my very first book, before I had any celebrities or wrestlers attached, I mean. 
they brought an ad in the back of it. Um, they've let me sell my stuff at their merch tables. Um, you know, so it's always been, they've always been a really good company to me. So I'm always happy to see, you know, I sell my books there a lot of times. So I'm always, it's always cool when like people that I dig get to work there because that means I get to hang out with them, you know? So I was cool to see Shane Helms work there recently. And, uh, you know, they signed Jeff Cobb and Jeff, Jeff, uh, Jeff and I have done a story together, um, for Headlock and, uh, Daniels and Kaz and the Bucks and Cody and Kenny and whatnot, they're all, uh, they're all good dudes and all people I've got to collaborate with. So it's always fun to, to get to see people, you know, when I'm on the road. That's pretty good as well. And how did you become a writer with uh, Boom Studios with the WWE comic? So I mean, every, everybody knows the, I think, you know, the collaborations I've done. And, you know, I had done collaborations with Smaller Joe and AJ Styles for Headlock. And uh, so I think they wanted to get some some WWE talent on the books, so they approached me. And uh, I was always looking. AJ and I did one of my one of my favorite stories um, that we've ever done for Headlock. And you know, Joe's been one of my supporters since the very beginning. So I was looking for an opportunity to work with those guys again. And uh, also, you know, always nice to be able to patch up some holes in WWE continuity. And uh, so we, so we made it happen, you know, Boom was happy to have us uh, contribute, and it was fun to get a chance to collaborate with my friends again. That's pretty good as well. Um, you wrote with, uh, like you said, with AJ Styles over at Headlocks, and you guys also wrote a story together at Boom Studios uh, WWE comic as well, and then you built a great friendship with AJ. Um, how did that all come to be? Uh, a lot of these guys I've just met from, from years of being on the road. I think a lot of guys like what I'm doing a lot of guys respect my hustle because you know I was on all the sh- the same shows they were on um, you know so I, I met most of them at Ram Honor shows or you know just setting on merch tables on the indies and you know the guys that like comics we tend to gravitate towards one another you know and I've been you know AJ was the last uh, the last member of the, the triad so to speak that I got to be friends with because I, I was friends with with Joe and Daniels and Kaz early on because I mean, Joe and those guys are, are more hardcore comic fans than, than AJ per se, but, uh, you know, AJ is more of a big video game fan, but, uh, AJ did like comics as well, but he was the last guy I got to meet. And, uh, so I think sometimes too, you know what I mean? Like your friends are friends and it makes it a little easier. But he's a great guy and he's one of the easiest guys to get to know. Um, I sat with him at a, at a table at a 2CW show in Binghamton and, uh, I think by the end of it, we were pals, you know? He's a he's a real good dude. Um, also for uh, WWE Boom Studios comic too, you also wrote a story about uh, WWE Forever, Brett the Hitman Hart as well. It's actually coming out next month. Um, it was a fun story. I didn't I didn't work with Brett on it. It was just a story that I wrote. Um, but it's a lot of fun, and I worked with it on Mikel Molapola, who's the interior artist that had lot. So it's always good when we can you know, sort of kind of. Flex our flex our talent out in the, into the into the wild doing the non headlock stuff. But uh, you know, Brett was a, a wrestler that I liked as a kid growing up. And, you know, I, I grew up during the, the sort of the golden age, so to speak. And uh, so it was a good opportunity to get to play with a lot of different characters and sort of tell Brett's story from beginning to end in a way that I think encapsulated the entire era. Um, so it's a really fun read, and I think people will like it if they uh, 
to give it a shot. But it's uh, coming out in January. That's pretty good as well. And speaking of headlock too, uh, you had stories about uh, the last territory in the hard way. Can you tell me a little bit about that? So headlock is the story of a kid who's a theater major in college, and he he falls in love with wrestling sort of unexpectedly, and it just overtakes his life. You know, he gets bitten by the wrestling bug, and he, and he quits school, and it's, it ends up being his journey through the wrestling business, uh, starting on day zero. He doesn't have, obviously, a conventional journey through the wrestling business because what fun is that? So, uh, you know, he goes through a lot of hardships along the way and, we, uh, you know, he meets a lot of different characters and sort of, it's a coming-of-age story, you know, as he's, as he's sort of learning about the wrestling business. He's also sort of becoming a man. Um, and then that's the story that I tell and then I collaborate with a bunch of different wrestlers on backup stories where we sort of flesh out the universe um, until, you know, just play around in different corners of the headlock universe. <clears throat> and those are, those are fun to, those are fun to do because they're not really constrained by any continuity. And, you know, we, we tell some, uh, some fun, uh, some fun little tales. Yeah, I've been, um, I've read those as well and I'm looking forward to reading some more. You're just great. And I'm glad there's a great, you know, couple comics out there about pro wrestling. It was due to have one for like many years as well. Cause when I grew up watching wrestling, I was around the same era as you and, you know, watching wrestling back in the eighties, it was just like watching, you know, uh, comic book characters like pro wrestlers coming straight out of a comic like a little movie you know like ultimate warrior and hulk hogan it, it was just like a a, a big uh, comic book movie it, it's always been weird to me the you know comics has always been somewhat resistant to wrestling and i find that to be i don't know it's always been an interesting thing to me just because i mean wrestling is a comic book come to life like you said and you know I don't know, it's like two, two dimensional guys in tights and super cool, but apparently they weren't down. Three dimensional guys in tights. Like, I don't know what it is about that extra dimension that scares people away, but it's, uh, it's a little odd. But over the last, uh, couple of years, I think, uh, a lot more comic book fans, or a lot more comic book creators at least have come to embrace wrestling. And there's been a lot more, uh, you know, on Twitter, I think a lot more fan art and such. And, there's been a real, uh, real explosion of, of interest. I, I think so. You know, it's been a, it's been a good opportunity for us, and you know, we're still one of the few, few places at comic book conventions that really sort of promote wrestling. You know, we have wrestlers on our cable. Um, we do exclusive art prints. We do lots of fun, different things to try to create a positive experience for wrestling fans. So, uh, you know. I, I think it's the worm has definitely turned on that. So, but it, it definitely wasn't an easy path to start. So, what's it like to uh, you know sell your comic and prints at different uh, comic conventions all around the United States as, as well? And how are the fans like to you? I mean, that's the fa- that's my favorite part of the job is uh, is getting to travel and getting to see everybody and uh, you know making that sort of personal connection because you put a lot of hours in with this. Like I. I you know, I have a regular job. I work about 70 hours a week um, managing a, a warehouse, and then I'm on the road every weekend. So I don't exactly have a whole lot of free time. And uh, so it's great to be on the road and to sort of meet people and sort of have that sort of shared connection. 
Like I said, I mean, when I started, when I started going to Comic Con, there was nothing for wrestling at all, and to be able to sort of bring that experience to fans and you know for you know to have that place that wrestling fans know that they can feel welcome and you know they can come and meet uh, you know meet Jerry Lawler or you know we had you know New York Comic Con this year we had Sting and Trish Stratus and Lita and Christian and Jerry and, you know we had the biggest lines at the show and everybody was excited and you know we got to do a lot of fun things and it's just uh, it's the best really and also I really like to eat so you know, traveling all over the country and getting to try some of the, you know, the area's best foods is uh, a lot of fun, too. Um, have you ever thought about um, taking Headlock Comics and doing some conventions over, like, in Canada or, you know, across the pond? I've done, uh, I've done a couple in Canada. I've been from Toronto. Uh, I would very much like to, to go, uh, I would definitely like to go to the U.K., um, big fan of British wrestling I think right now like Progress is probably one of my favorite companies they're the, the, the best mix to me of, of story and action and character so I, I really enjoy that um, so I'd love to go to some of those shows live I uh, obviously I've got a factor in expense and time you know there's only so many shows there's only so many weekends a year I can take off from my job so being able to you know I have to find that balance of uh you know, taking the time off and, and maximizing their return. So it's tricky because you don't want to you don't want to fly to the UK for three days and then fly right back home, and that's a pretty expensive flight. So it's a it's a tricky proposition. But I've I kind of got my eye on some UK stuff coming up, so I'm hoping to maybe make something happen there. And speaking of all the you know wrestlers you worked with, um, have you ever thought about maybe doing a comic or a print of uh, Brian Pillman Jr. Uh, I actually talked to him a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm open to work with anybody. Um, I uh, we've talked we've talked a little bit. I think I met him at WrestleCon last year, and uh, he seems like a good dude. I mean, everybody's got a story to tell, you know, from the from the guy setting up the ring to the, to the top guys in, in wrestling. You know, everybody's got a story to tell, and uh, you know, I'm down to work with uh, I'm down to work with anybody that wants to work with me. So. Hey, what about me? About podcaster? <laughs> yeah, I never really thought about that, but you know, I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's definitely some stories there too. Oh, that was. We would work well together. I have a great story. <laughs> um, you also partnered with a WrestleCrate. How did that come to be? Yeah, it's just a, an opportunity to do some distribution. Um, you know, they've, they've obviously, they get their stuff in front of a lot of wrestling fans. And they like what I'm doing. I like what they're doing. So I actually have a story coming up, uh, I want to say, in the next, the next creek, possibly, I think, is, uh, we, uh, I just finished the story that we with Mustafa Ali. Um, and that'll be coming out soon. Um, I don't think I've really announced that anywhere yet. But we just, uh, we just got the finished art back, and it looks really excellent. Uh, so uh, that's going to be coming out soon. And then I'm working on a story with Jack Fexmith from Progress. It's going to be my first wordless story. I'm kind of excited about that. I've never done a silent story before. Um, but that one's going to be a lot of fun, too. So, uh, you know, uh, the, guy, the guy that runs WrestleCrate, John and Bowles, is a super good dude. And he's super positive. And I... Uh, 
I enjoy being around him. I like what he does, and it's uh, it's it's definitely one of my favorite partnerships. So they're good. They're good people. Okay, if you can change anything about pro wrestling today and how fans perceive it, what would you change and why? I mean, everybody's open to perceive wrestling how they perceive it. Um, I don't really, I don't really mind. I mean, I don't really. People are gonna like what they like and not not like what they don't like. If I could change one thing, I guess I would just. I wish people wouldn't just stick with. You know, if they're not, if if they don't like something, I wish they wouldn't stick with it. You know, like, for years, I think, people complained about, you know, women's wrestling, and they wanted more women's wrestling. And, I mean, Shimmer is a company that existed that was giving people that wrestling that they wanted, but people would rather just bitch about Raw for 10 years. And that, to me, I guess, is a person that creates independent stuff. It's frustrating when, you know, I mean, the the laws of capitalism are kind of like, you know, you support the, the company that gives you what you want, but, you know for whatever reason WWE just kind of gets chance after chance and if people are unhappy I wish that they would seek out alternatives because there are people that are very eager to provide their alternatives and with more support you know they could they could do those things I mean you could have had I mean Ring of Honor in theory could have been NXT 10 years ago if people had you know supported the company instead of you know letting its town all go everywhere else so you know, I would just say, you know, I would like to see people do, do more, of a, do a better job of supporting the things that they love and a little bit less about, you know, bitching about the things that they don't like. I totally agree with you as well. I've been saying that for quite some time too, and I usually get like either uh, hell yeah or what the heck you talking about, Rob. But um, I definitely feel you on that as well. So, where can everybody find you on social media of, of your adventures at different conventions, your projects, your art? So everything we have is Headlocked Comic. It's one word. Um, that's my website where we got prints, books, um, some autograph prints for sale, and then it's my Facebook, my Twitter, my Instagram. We got a YouTube channel that we're uh, we're about to debut a uh, a travel log show that sort of chronicles some of my travels and where I eat. It's called uh, Comics Cosplay and Carbohydrates. It's going to be a lot of fun and. Um, so I can be found all those places, and uh, we have a pro wrestling key store. It's, it's called Headlocked Clothing, and uh, that's where we have uh, a lot of the shirts that people have seen, including the David Arquette shirt. Um, we're actually dropping a shirt on Monday, a new design that's uh, that's going to be super cool. I'm really excited for it. So uh, you know, that's uh, that's where I'm at. Uh, it's all run by me, so people can get at me if they need to, if they got questions and whatnot. All right. Thank you uh, so much for coming on today out of your busy schedule to come and, you know, share your story with me. Yeah, no, thanks for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. I mean, I, I, uh, I don't get to, you know, I can reach more people. It's always a good time. So, and I like talking about wrestling. Oh, you and I both and also comics. Don't forget comics. <laughs> How could I? <laughs> All right. And uh, everybody, thank you for listening. Have a good afternoon. Boom, boom. Cocabana. Boom, boom. Cocabana. Boom, boom. Cocabana. It's Cocabana. Hey, this is professional wrestler Cole Cabana. And one thing I would never do 
Memories hit the marks, which is weird because you're listening to Hit the Marks. Good evening, everybody. This is Robin Nelson with another edition of Wrestle Popcast. And you can follow Wrestle Popcast at Podcast City Network at podcastcity.net. And you can also listen to Wrestle Popcast at Spreaker.com, Spotify, iHeartRadio. And you can follow me at Twitter at WPopcast1. Facebook at Russell Popcast, and I'm also a proud. I'm also sponsored by Color Elbow um, Wrestling Tees, and if you use my promo code Boy Wonder, you can uh, get a great discount as well of all the great Color Elbow T-shirts at ColorElbow.com. And my guest tonight is commercial artist, author, and comic cover artist for Headlock Comics. Doug Hills, how's it going, Doug? Good. Thank you for having me on the show. This will be. This is going to be fun. Oh, I know. I have a feeling it's going to be fun as well. Um, so has so how has your new year been so far? Um, busy, uh, and that's always good, especially when you're freelance. Um, I've been freelancing for almost let's see, eighteen, nineteen years now, and uh, you know, there's always those times when it's like. You know, feast or famine, and I've had a fair amount of famine for a bit, and the the feast has been nice, like the last few months. Um, you know, we'll be talking about it soon, but you know, Mike Michael Kingston of Headlock has been keeping me pretty busy, and uh, I've had a few other projects to work on, and um, so yeah, that's that's kind of been my New Year's. <laughs> that's pretty. Good. I was kind of like hanging out with the family and just just enjoying. Sitting, doing nothing, watching the ball drop. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong as as well. Um, you were a pro wrestling fan growing up as well. What got you into falling in love with pro wrestling? You know, it, it's funny because like when I was growing up, I kind of came into it a little late. Yeah, I you know heard stuff like oh wrestling this, wrestling that, and I don't really want to watch that. Um, around. I want to say it was 1991 because I think it was around the time of like SummerSlam, um, and I caught on the um, uh, Channel 23, which was like the local syndicated station. Uh, had I think it was like Superstars, and Mr. Perfect was on, and he was cutting a promo, and I kind of like, oh, this is all right. Let me watch a little bit more of this, and then I kind of got into. Yeah, you know, this world, <laughs> you know, and became like a big Mr. Perfect fan and a Bret Hart fan and an Owen Hart fan and and Shawn Michaels. So a lot of the, the smaller guys, um, and then kind of just you know, I'm sure the same thing happened. You kind of get wrapped up into the drama of of the shows, and I I fell into even like the the crazy stuff, like the Papa Shango Ultimate Warrior stuff. You know, the debut of The Undertaker and, and his thing, um, which was personally, like, my favorite era of Undertaker was, like, Zombie Taker. Um, and so I, you know, it was just something that I, you know, got really into um, and then just didn't stop. You know, it kind of became, like, a hardcore geek about it. And, you know, for, for a while I could, like, trace the lineage of the Intercontinental title. I could, like, rattle the names off. You know, that, you know, usual stuff. That's pretty good too. <laughs> um, then, um, 
So yeah, that was kind of how I got into that. And then I, like in the mid nineties, discovered ECW, which was again, kind of like the Mr. Perfect thing. I was like, wow, okay, this is completely different. Uh, you know, and I think it was like, I caught, it was a Mick Foley promo. So it was like a Cactus Jack promo. It's like, oh, okay. Hey, it's, it's Cactus Jack from WCW. And what's he doing? And then I caught a Rey Mysterio versus Psychosis match. I'm like, okay, I'm in. <laughs> that's pretty that's pretty awesome so what was um, any of your memorable moments of being a fan like did you go to any shows or like uh, any of the pay-per-views or what match really like excited you um the the ones that I remember the most and I mostly had gone to uh, WWF shows so I remember going to my first um uh, house show in I want to say 1995 and it was like you know Bret Hart was on the show and he was wrestling you know the future PCO when he was doing his Jean-Pierre Lafitte uh, gimmick uh, you know Diesel I think was champion at the time uh, you know Sid was there um, I think yeah Shawn Michaels was there and I remember that that was really cool got my Bret Hart sunglasses because that was total like geek for Bret Hart um I was there for the 97 Survivor Series that was interesting nice uh yeah cause and I was in the nosebleed so we didn't uh, my friends and I we were totally confused I can say it's like we didn't know what happened we're like did Brett just tap out to his own finishing hold and then just like started trashing everything and what I thought was, I, we kind of thought at the time he was just throwing a you know, tantrum because we knew he was going to WCW it wasn't until we got back to um, I was in college at the time so when I got back to Plattsburgh uh, and I started reading the, the sheets and I was like oh that happened okay that got interesting yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I'm trying to think yeah I uh, more recently, it's been it's been fun to go to some of the the NXT shows with my daughter um, because my daughter got into wrestling um, when she was like uh, I want to say like I don't know seven eight years old and I happened to be watching I think it was like WrestleMania twenty five and it was like the Shawn Michaels versus Undertaker match. And she's watching it, and she sees Shawn Michaels, and then she sees The Undertaker come out from the ground, and her eyes got huge. And from that point forward, she was like the Undertaker fan. Um, And then, you know, she started watching NXT, got into the girls, was a big Bailey fan, was a very big Shinsuke Nakamura fan. Um, So getting to go to the NXT shows in Albany and Seeing her just like just lose it, like just high pitched squealing, like you know, it's, it's Bailey, it's Bailey, and like it's it, you know, and when Shinsuke Nakamura came out, like the following year, she's just like, just I didn't know a voice could get that high. hey that's pretty awesome as well and you also got into um, spent some time in the wrestling ring as well. What decides you to do that? Um. Honestly, it was kind of a happenstance, and I could—I guess you could say it was the one good thing out of going to see the Phantom Menace in 1999. Um, we happened to be my wife or my my fiance at the time. Uh, 
were in line. She was very nice to go to a midnight showing of Star Wars with me. Um, and as we're waiting in line, she happened to have a newspaper or got it from a uh, someone else who was in line and stuff. And she said, oh, hey, you might want to look at this. And it was, I don't know if it was an ad or an article about professional wrestling in Schenectady, which is a town uh, just outside, or a, a city outside of Albany. And it was for a promotion called World of Hurt Wrestling. And people could go and and train. I'm like, yeah, I should go do that. Because when else are you going to have like this opportunity to do this? You know, and so I started training in October of 1999, once I scraped up the money to, to do the show, or, or to the school. Um, got beat up pretty good. <laughs> Uh, had my first professional wrestling match uh, for World of Hurt Wrestling in January 2000. Um, and that was the tag match. And the first match I got, I got potatoed by uh, my opponent. And uh, I got stomped, like I kind of got head stomped as I'm coming up. And so I... And I was wearing like kind of this black and white, I think it was like a ref shirt or something. And my nose had started bleeding. And so my wife's thing was like, she's just seeing like, oh, great. My husband's bleeding already. Yeah. <laughs> uh, kind of thing. Um, and then, uh, you know, wrestled for World of Hurt for a little while, wrestled for a promotion in Vermont uh, called Tri-State Wrestling for a bit. Um, then, uh, you know, then I had started developing my uh, character name, uh, Ethan Frost. And uh, so I was kind of, I was, uh, I was a heel at the time. Uh, then um, did the, that for a little bit and then uh, helped my friend Chip Stetson, uh, who also helped train me. Um, he and a couple other people had started another promotion called uh, 24-7 Wrestling in Schenectady. So I worked for, for, for them for a while um, and had a really good time had some really good matches um, actually I would say like kind of a nice career highlight was uh, at one of the shows they brought in Tony Atlas wow and yeah I, I had done a I think I'd done a gauntlet match that so I wrestled like three guys in a row and you know at the end of the match he goes hey you did a really good job kid I'm like thanks yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, I've got to, to it, was, it was a great experience to try and do that. And uh, eventually um, my wife and I moved to Utah because she got a job um, teaching at Utah State University, which is in northern Utah. Kind of near, if you've ever seen Napoleon Dynamite. Yes. We, we lived about... I want to say like 20 minutes south of there and incidentally that's actually what Preston Idaho was like it wasn't a period piece that was what Preston Idaho was like at the time <laughs> um, so uh, and then I I thought about doing a promotion or there was a promotion down in Salt Lake City checked it out didn't jive with me something about like I don't know if I want to work for these guys plus it's like you know what I think I'm just going to focus on comics <laughs> Because that was what I was doing. I was wrestling, and I was making comics. All right. Uh, 
and I thought, yeah, you know what? Uh, I think I'm done. Um, uh, you know, officially retired. My my last official, uh, the last time I ever got in the ring was in 2004. Um, my friend JP Black had started a school um, in New, in uh, upstate New York, and um, when we had come back to visit them or visit our families and stuff, and went up there, checked it out, had an impromptu match uh, against this guy who I'd never heard of before, but it was a local guy, Bobby Fish. And this was just before he was, I think, like really taking off with Ring of Honor and going to Japan and then, you know, becoming the Bobby Fish of, that we all know and love now. Uh, so that was kind of cool to, to, you know, in hindsight. <laughs> um, but it was a fun little thing, and that was officially the last time I had been in the ring. That's pretty good as well. What um, influenced you to become a comic book artist and fall in love uh, reading comic books? Uh, in a, the story's kind of similar to the wrestling thing. Like, I didn't really get into comics like until probably almost a year after I got into wrestling. Uh, and it wasn't even comics. It was cartoons. Um, I, the only comics that I would, had read at the time were like Archie comics uh, that my mom had had. Um, so I'd read those. I was a big Archie fan. Uh, and then the the X-Men cartoon came out in 92. Uh, long time ago. Uh, and I just fell in love with it. And I thought this was super cool. And then one of my friends who was a big comic book geek is oh, cool. You should, if you like the com or if you like the cartoon, you should read these. And I should also know, I was like, I was also a big Super Friends fan, so I was like into the, the, the Super Friends of the 70s and 80s and kind of thing, but that was the extent of my superhero stuff. And so I kind of got access to this plethora of literature for, uh, from, from my friend Mike um, to, to peruse, and kind of like wrestling, I just kind of dove right in, and it's like, this is what I want to do. So I had been just into comics and wanting to be a comic book artist for about 26 26 years now I think um and you know just just read a lot of comics with an X-Men guy for a while and then when I was in college I kind of dove back into DC so I was like into Green Lantern and The Flash um around the time when you know, they introduced a brand new Green Lantern, Kyle Rayner, who was a comic book artist. So I was kind of into him. Uh, and Wally West was the Flash. So those guys are my Green Lantern and Flash. Um, so I was into that, into the Image comics of the 90s. So I was a big Wildcats fan. I was, I, was, I was a big Jim Lee fan. That was one of the things I discovered when I got to X-Men. And then started reading the X-Men comics. So I was like, ooh, I like Jim Lee. He is awesome. And so I was really into that style. And then you know kind of got into the Cuber brothers and, and all that stuff um then rediscovered anime and and manga so the japanese cartoons and my style kind of evolved into more of an anime style uh so all of these things just kind of got me into this is what i want to do for a living you know went, went to college got my a computer science degree but i was like i'm i'm going to go to the joe kubert school um and you know, get into comics and stuff. That didn't actually happen. <laughs> but, um, you know, thanks to my my wife again, my wife is, like, really the hero of this entire story of my career. 
<laughs> yeah, she she was the one. You know, I had this one job I was not overly happy with, um, and she's like, "Quit. We'll make it work." Yeah, it's like you're miserable, so stop being miserable and just make comics. And so I went from kind of doing computer programming and having a decent salary to delivering Chinese food, barely making rent, and making my own web comics. That was a lot happier, and we were both happy, and it was good. Um, then went to Utah, where you know uh, I focused a lot more on just developing uh, web comics. Because uh, it was still kind of a brand new thing at the time, this, this idea of having comics on the internet. So it's pre-comicsology, pre. Um, and by the way, if I'm rambling, feel free to stop me. Okay. <laughs> um, also, um, since you've done web comics as well, you did one called uh, "Chibi Cheerleaders from Outer Space." Yes, that's actually where I was going. With this. So this is an idea that we had started uh, way back uh, on the on the trip out because we drove. So on the trip out to Utah, uh, my wife had just like, oh, it'd be kind of fun to make this comic that kind of plays on anime stereotypes and bad 50 sci-fi. And so the premise of TV cheerleaders from outer space was like aliens using hypnotic anime to ensnare college fanboys in their quest to take over the world. And so... Mm-hmm. And so I used that for, um, we did that for about like six years or so, and that kind of stopped uh, about 2008, kind of in the middle of the story, as usually happens with web comics. Um, so I'd done that for a while. Through that, I met up with a whole bunch of guys uh, that had just started the, a kind of a comics collective called Tenton Studios. And a lot of the guys, in this group, and then we started this in 2005, they brought me in because we were, they were making like a, an anthology comic and I was going to do a, a short in it. And the cool thing is like we were doing this, but we were also trying to push each other to make it in the industry. And a lot of the guys now are, have had the opportunity to do a lot of Marvel and DC stuff, uh, like Clark Sam and Riley Brown and Chris Burnham and Aaron Cooter. And, just like all these guys, like just super, super talented guys. Uh, and we were all just like just pushing each other and doing weekly sketch challenges to, to, to see who could, you know, we, we, would, we would challenge each other with, uh, okay, you're going to draw this character and we're all going to vote on, we, and we had like our, our, our fans on, our, on a message board and we were all going to vote and then the winner would, you know, choose the next thing. And we were all kind of competitive with each other enough where I was like, okay, well, all right, you got it this time, but I'm going to get you next time. And there was this point where I was like, all right, I haven't won yet. i got to win this thing. <laughs> oh, that is pretty and, funny. And and so, but that was a, that was a great thing because, like, if it weren't for, with a lot of these factors, like, if, if it weren't for, you know, quitting the job, I wouldn't have done, you know, gotten the webcomics. If it wasn't for the webcomics and doing that, I wouldn't have learned the importance of keeping to a schedule and, you know, just improving my stuff and building a fan base. If it weren't for the webcomic, it wouldn't have, you know, joined up with Tenton Studios. And if it wasn't for Tenton Studios, I, you know, in some ways I wouldn't be where I am now. But, um, because of this, I got an opportunity to write a dummies book on a art program called Manga Studio. Um, because Riley, at the first New York Comic Con, 
hey, Doug, do you draw manga? You should do talk to these guys. And so I did. I, became, I got a uh, kind of built up a, a rapport with the, the the director of that was um, distributing this program. And from that, I got to write manga CEO for dummies, uh, which uh, helped kind of get me uh, kind of known in the community and stuff. Um, so I guess in the story, like my wrestling stuff, it kind of like fallen to, to the wayside. Like I would still kind of follow wrestling, but it wasn't as as prevalent, you know, as it was. Like I was still kind of keeping mind. I was like I was an attitude guy. I was, you know, the, the the stuff that was going on wasn't really go wasn't like intriguing me. And you know, we didn't have quite the access that we have now to you know more like New Japan and you know good indie stuff. And you know, like, I didn't get like the access to Ring of Honor tapes and stuff like I probably could have. So wrestling stuff had kind of fallen away um cut to like you know kind of a few years later where uh my you know like I was, I was saying that the uh, the on the top of the hour that I was you know my feasting uh was definitely low definitely more in a famine mode uh and it was around this time that I heard of um my guy Mike Kingston you know, from same areas, uh, you know, I live. And by now, I've moved back to New York. We've lived in Utah for about 10 years and decided to move back. Um, and he was doing a comic on about professional wrestling. I was like, that's, that's pretty cool. And so, you know, I kind of talked with him a few times. And, you know, just kind of the usual, hey, if you ever need anybody for some art, I'd be happy. I'd love to help out however I can. And, you know, cut to Mike saying, hey, do you want to do a, you know, story for Headlock? I'm like, yeah, sure, yeah, I'd love to. And, you know, I've now done, like, you know, two stories for him and, you know, a couple more on the way. And a lot more recently, he's been asking me to do these various wrestling prints, um, so, which are been kind of like, Combining, like, it bringing everything kind of full circle. It's like combining my love of wrestling with my love of comics. I've been doing these homages to classic comic book covers, but replacing, like, you know, the X Men or, you know, the Fantastic Four or the Hulk or whatever with, you know, people like Becky Lynch and PCO and Masato Tanaka and, uh, and all these other people and Joey Janela and Penelope Ford. And it's like all the, and it's been kind of fun to, take these two things you know because like for a while I was just I know I'm just going to focus on comics and that kind of stuff um things weren't uh working out at the time as well but this idea of kind of combining the the comics with the wrestling has been just like fantastic to, to do oh yeah it has been very fantastic um I like your cover uh Art for Headlock Comics of uh, David Arquette, and I bought that T-shirt as well that uh, you uh, drew of David Arquette when he was in that hardcore match. I know that's how I saw. Like you posted something to, uh, I believe you posted something to Mike. You're, I think you're applying to one of the prints or something like that, and you had the T-shirt. And every time I've seen this, and I've only seen this a couple of times now, uh, like it's you with the David Arquette shirt. I saw one guy 
wearing a Penelope Ford t-shirt that I designed for her early last year, and then another one wearing a Solo Darling shirt, uh, and I was like, that's crazy. You know, it, it, it's always, it's always wild. It, it's one thing when I post my stuff out on the, on the internet, stuff like, oh, that's cool. To see someone actually kind of wearing the shirt or buying the poster is like, wow, that's cool. <laughs> and and I'm very flattered that you guys are like oh this is cool enough where I want to I want to own this I'm like oh, cool speaking <laughs> speaking of Penelope Ford um, did you get to meet her and help her design that shirt no um, with a lot of these people um, that would uh, be either with some of these I've done either through Mike Mike has a lot of the connections Mike. Um, from what I've seen, you've already had a, uh, a podcast with, with Mike, so you know a lot of the story, but Mike is one of those guys I have a tremendous amount of respect for, because, you know, he's been busting his butt for a while now, trying to do this comic with, like, zero backhand. I mean, like, he, he has earned everything he's, he's had so far. And he's taken the time to build good relationships with, you know, people in the business. Uh, I'm so a lot of the connections that I've um, gained have been through through Mike. Um, I've never had the opportunity to, with, with a few exceptions, uh, meet face to face. Usually, it's been uh, there. They'll contact me after the fact. So in Penelope Ford's case, I had done one of the first uh, homages I had done for. For Mike was taking a uh, Secret Wars poster or Secret Wars cover uh, from from Marvel in the '80s, and then replacing it with uh, the, the people that were going to be in Joey Janela's Spring Break Two. So this is early, or yeah, around this time last year. And Penelope happened to be one of the the people on the poster. And after it was released and. Everyone seemed to like it. Joey was very pleased with it. Most everyone that, I believe everyone involved was happy with how that came out. Um, uh, Penelope had contacted me after the fact and said, hey, can you take the drawing of me from that and kind of blow that up? I like to use it as as a t-shirt. And I I was like, well, I can't because it's really tiny, but I'll just draw you a new one. And so that's what I did. I drew kind of something similar, very comic booky, her coming kind of at you kind of kind of thing. Uh, and you know, uh, I gave that to her and she was very happy with it. And you can now purchase that on Pro Wrestling Um and so the uh, yeah, so a lot of the stuff that has, has kind of transpired through uh, the connections I've made through um, through Headlock. Um, the the only other one where it's like that has not been involved with Headlock has been Shakara, and that was I'm trying to remember because it was a while now. But I've, I've been kind of in touch with Mike Quackenbush for a while, and I think he like a, a, a friend of mine introduced like, hey, you need to talk to, or like, I think he may have said to to, to Mike, he said, hey, you need to talk to my friend Doug. He does comics, um, and. You know, kind of a similar thing. Mike would ask me to create uh, comic book covers 
some some were homages and some were some originals that were going to be used as DVD covers for Chikara and for like uh, some of the shows and so that was kind of a very similar you know thing to to, to the headlock thing um, those are the two I think instances where it's like the home you know Mike and Mike uh, where the homegrown okay I can uh, you know I talked to these guys the the stuff I've done since and, and I think uh, something I was going to say earlier was one of the things that I took from the business that I applied to comics was the importance of just being a good hand and be, and just kind of building good word of mouth and that's all I really had wanted to be when I was a wrestler I kind of wanted to be I was, I was never going to be a Ric Flair but I wanted to be an Arn Anderson you know that, that really steady you know good hand that could work with anybody and you know I applied that into comics and you can kind of see that in the various stuff that Mike has had me uh, work on where it's like okay can you do this one with the Escape from New York poster and mash it up with the Warriors and it's going to be a painterly style like, okay cool yeah I can do that this one's going to be much more of a comic book you want this one's going to be yeah it, it, and it's like that's sort of the thing I like to do with uh, whether it's the um, the the topic or the the client I'm working with is like all right who uh, how can I work with this person kind of like being in the ring like is this person someone I could kind of you know add with through the match is it someone that okay we have to kind of work through this and everybody's different but um, that, uh like I kind of went off topic there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> speaking of Mike Quackenbush, you've done a lot of uh, covers for him too. So uh, um, is Mike Quackenbush a, a big comic book fan as well? And you also uh, drew some pages for him for a Mobile Armored Strike Command mask pitch for him. Yes. Mike is very much a, a, a comic book fan. And uh we had an opportunity to, or, or let me rephrase that. Mike had an opportunity to make a pitch uh, for uh, to do you know, a, a comic for for IDW because uh, they were thinking of like you know launching mask, and he's like, oh, I want to. He had the opportunity to to pitch, and he asked me, hey, you want to do some pages, like basically be a, like a cover and a couple interior pages. I'm like, yeah, sure, absolutely, and that was fun to do as the 80s geek that I am because I was a huge mask fan <laughs> so getting to draw those characters was cool and uh, getting to help Mike out with this project was, was also like really super cool and I you know I thanked him for trusting me to get his vision uh, out there uh, and while I don't believe that the pitch went through it was still kind of like a great chance to, to work on it and I'm I'm proud of how that art came out and stuff and you know who knows maybe it'll, it'll lead to other things for like Mike and I you know there's, there's some other properties out there maybe we'll you know, like bring back visionaries or something centurions no 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 we're doing centurions yeah that'd be pretty cool <laughs> that'd be pretty <laughs> Yeah, that'd be pretty cool if you did a Centurions one. But IDW did go on ahead with a mass comic anyways, but it didn't last oh, yeah. long. It wasn't ours. <laughs> they have something else planned, I think. Because um, I know that Mask and a bunch of other related projects are, you're planning on doing another shared universe. 
thing. Yep, they were. They uh, had, had so micronauts. Like G.I. Joe and Mask and Visionaries and Rom Space Knight and, and stuff. And I think their idea is like the comics are going to tie into whatever they come up with for the movies. But so our, our idea was, or Mike's idea was going to be a bit more uh, faithful to the original cartoon and kind of continuing that. Uh, but that's not where they apparently we want to go someplace different yeah Mike Quackenbush is cool he's a well known uh, professional wrestler of course of Chikara and he's trained a lot of big names as well he also worked with Alexa Bliss when she was like injured for a while too and it, and it's cool I never knew he was a comic book fan yeah that was kind of I kind of got the idea the, the idea that the comics when I was um Starting to do some stuff for Chikara, and just seeing a lot of the comic, a lot of the covers that they were using for the um, uh, for the DVDs were basically, you know, comic book or cartoon style. Uh, some of them were kind of homage to classic comic book covers, and so uh, it was it was kind of cool to 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 do something like that for Mike, and and then. Yeah, later on to like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do some comic stuff, and I thought it, you know, we either come up with another idea, like you know, I could do like a comic that's more you know, like based on Jakar or something, you know, that'd be kind of cool because you know they have like these just these, these wild characters, and it'd be cool to to develop a comic. And I'm literally I have no idea if he's planning on doing something like that. It's like, oh, that'd be cool. Uh, hey, that'd be pretty good as well. And since you've been working with Michael Kingston at Headlock Comics, um, you did a cover for the man Becky Lynch, a limited edition print as well. And what are some of the other projects you're going to be working with Michael this year? Um, some of the stuff can't quite, you know, say yet. Uh, but um, I will be doing a story for his next volume of Headlock. Um, so I have a six-page story for that. Uh, I'm sure Mike will have more uh, covers, homages for me to work on. Um, you all seem to be liking them, so I'm sure we'll be doing more of those. Um, yeah, I'm sure there might be more um, for, for conventions and stuff. Um, it'll be cool. I don't know um, if the, yeah, you know, I don't know if Becky's seen the, the comic cover yet. Uh I'll be very curious to hear if she if she likes it. This is going to be at the Ace Comic Con next weekend, I believe. Two weekend. Oh yeah, and you'll be there with that limited edition uh, cover. Who knows? Maybe she'll come up and uh, uh, get one from you. Yeah, well, I'm not going to be there. It, it's just Mike. Uh, I I don't have the, the, the budget to fly out to Arizona, but usually the closest I try to go to the more local cons. Like I, I went down to New York Comic Con. Had several uh, prints available there. Uh, did a, like four for the uh, the people that Mike got uh, involved at his booth. Uh, so it was uh, uh, Sting, uh, Christian, Tristratus. Oh, it might have been. I think it was that. There's probably one more that I'm forgetting. Um, but they, yeah, and. Uh, it, that was an instance where it was like it was cool to actually kind of chat with them briefly. I went I went down to the show, um, and talked 
you know, talk with Christian briefly and uh, talk to, um, to to Trish Stratus, who was, I got her super nice. You know, she had asked Mike for a couple of edits on the piece I had done, and she was like, I hope you didn't mind. I was like, no. It's, uh, what's important to me is that my client is happy. You know, so, and if if that results in a better product, then sweet. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's pretty good. At least she like took notice of it and um and wanted to add more stuff to it as well. I mean, I've met Trish too. She's a nice down to earth lady as well. Um, another question I'm going to ask you. I always ask this to my guests on my show. Um, if you could change anything about pro wrestling and how fans perceive it, what would you change and why? Honestly, I think that. Because there's so much out there now, I think we fans need to, I don't know, realizing that we all have like this love, I mean, we have a lot of love, especially like like WWE fans. We have a lot of fun, love of the product because, you know, we've probably been grown up on it. Um, and so we've been through the good times with the company and the bad times with the company and yeah, we want to see certain things happen. And the the company has other plans. And yeah, I, I think there's a case where you can voice your displeasure, be polite about it. And, and uh, I don't know, there, there is, I, I do think that sometimes uh, us fans, and I'll, 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 I'm lumping myself in here too, because there are times where it's like I will kind of, uh, not be pleased with, like, say, Raw and SmackDown. I don't really watch Raw and SmackDown because, like, I don't like that particular product. I don't really talk about it on Twitter because I, I try to keep things kind of positive. So I'll, I'll crow about other things. Like, wow, NXT, really good stuff. Or, you know, or, or the, the latest New Japan thing I've seen. Or, um, you know, some of the other indie shows and stuff. Uh, I'm actually, you know, I'm going to be looking forward to seeing what happens with All Elite, you know. Uh, I'm not, like, I don't want them to fail. <laughs> like, I, I like this idea that we have so much stuff. And so I guess that that's the one thing that I'd like us all as a collective is to, like, okay, if you don't like the, the way that WWE is, like the main roster stuff or you don't like NXT or you don't like Impact or you don't like Ring of Honor or, or that kind of stuff the important thing is like realize why don't you just instead of being like miserable and like just ah, I hate I hate all this kind of stuff I'm just gonna just grouse about it or I hate this this performer or I hate this kind of stuff it's like oh, well I understand that you're frustrated but there are so many more options out there. You could find something that's like, hey, wow, that's totally my thing. Like, you know, I was in comics, it was like, there's a period where it was like, I was a big X-Men fan. And then the storylines kind of sucked. And I was like, all right, you know what? I'm not going to buy X-Men anymore. It was like, it was getting too, kind of like wrestling, a little too convoluted, too, too out there. It wasn't just, it wasn't clicking with me. So I switched to other stuff. You know, so I switched, you know, and that's when I switched to uh, DC for a while. Um, and then there was a period where, like, the superhero stuff isn't working for me. But I really like anime. So I got 
I dove into uh, anime and manga. So I was all into Cowboy Bebop and Trigon and stuff like that. Um, and then eventually found my way back into superhero comics. Uh, but that was, that was a little while. And so kind of the same way. It's like, yeah, you know what? If I'm not happy with where WWE is going, that's cool. There's so much more out there. And there's so many more avenues for us as fans to like find stuff that we do like. I'd rather just, I, I, I think it would be better for us to take like this negative energy that, that some fans can have and just want to redirect it into something that you really like. So like discover Chikara. If you've never seen Chikara, their stuff is really good. If you're a big wrestling fan, like the, the sport of wrestling. Yeah. Check out, check out Chikara. Check out, um, New Japan. Check out, like there, there are just, so many avenues for us that I think that's the thing I would like us to evolve, you know, and just kind of, you know, get get past ourselves. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that as well. Um, there's so much great wrestling out there because the independent uh, wrestling is on fire right now. Uh, women's mm-hmm. wrestling is on fire and revolutionized. It's just like going to Baskin Robbins for 31 Flavors. You've got so many different types of wrestling, so many different types of wrestling styles, so many different everything. And that's just like comic books. you got so many independents out there, you know, like Headlock Comics, for an example. Um, that's the same thing with anime, manga, um, everything. You, um, It's cool today because there's a wider range. I mean, if um, you got tired, like you said, about WWE, I mean, you've got like Major League Wrestling. You got Ring of Honor, New Japan. Um, like you said, you got Shikara. You got Remix Pro. Um, and then that All Elite Wrestling, which is coming out as well. I mean, there's so much you can watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and that's the same thing can be said in comics because I see the same thing with uh, Marvel DC fans, and it's the it is sort of the thing when you are kind of the top of the game, you know, like like WWE is. Like, yes, we have all these promotions, but yes, a lot of people, casual and even like non wrestling fans, knows what WWE is. So they're kind of like they're the Apple, they're the the uh, Microsoft, they're like they're that they're that company, um, and as that you're going to have like people just like throwing, you know, s- you know sticks and stones at you and and that kind of stuff. Um, the same thing with like Marvel DC, like oh I don't like where this comic is going, and this is a stupid story and this writer is stupid. And it's like yeah, that I think the the taking it personal to the uh, to performers or or like say in comics like the writer or the artist I saw some some pretty nasty stuff towards like comic writers lately um but and and the the vitriol towards like or the towards the company or towards the the performer um is I don't I don't get it and it's like it's and especially when it's taken too far I'm I I just yesterday I heard about what happened to Tony Storm which I think is ridiculous and pathetic and I'm I'm beyond disgusted because we as human beings should be better than that and she didn't deserve that you know Um, 
I'm assuming you've heard about that, what happened? Yeah, Tony Storm, yeah, there were some photos of her that got leaked out. Now she, like, got rid of all of her social media because of that. And I think that's disgusting, whoever did that to her, because Tony Storm is a phenomenal athlete in the ring. Um, I've never met her, but I've heard great things about her. And um, I totally agree with you. It's disgusting. Someone like that would try to ruin somebody by leaking out certain photos. It's just completely BS. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's very, it's sad that someone felt like they had to do that just to, I don't don't even know the reason, you know, it's, uh, I'm, I'm flabbergasted and, and, and angry and sad and disappointed and just heartbroken for Tony that that happened to her. And yeah, it's kind of similar to, um, the girl from, um, Star Wars, the one played Rose. I know, you know, the, the the last movie that came out, yeah, was kind of polarizing and stuff. But people harassed her to the point where she left her social media. Yeah. And yeah, that I guess maybe that's another thing. I you know, I'm going to throw in the that'd be cool if we can change just as fans. I don't even think it matters as wrestling fans. It was just fans of whatever you are a fan of. Yep, is just remembering that the people involved uh, are human beings. And it's okay to not like certain, you know, a, a movie or a comic book or a wrestling promotion or a TV show or whatever. But the just remembering that they are human beings, and you know, we wouldn't want those kind of things said to us. So why would we do that to others? You know, it's like that whole golden rule thing. Hey, I totally agree with you on that as well. I mean, um, you know, that's been like that for a long time. Like you said, you know, wrestling fans, uh, Marvel, DC fans, Star Wars, Trekkies. It it just seems like it goes on and on saying, oh, no, we're better and this better. Why can't everybody all get along and like everything? And, you know, you can still be a fan of, you know, what you enjoy but you should also explore your options and be like you know something I'm going to give this a try and instead of hating it let me give it a try maybe I'll end up liking it right or if you don't like it just like alright didn't like it yep exactly <laughs> I totally agree with you on that it's it's true and it's, a, it's the same thing with podcasting as well like me I mean you know we should all get along and you know share you know share and help each other out and that's like for anything in the comic industry the wrestling business anything like you said um, also Doug where can everybody find you on social media if, so they know what you're doing next and also as well with Headlock Comics um, you can find me uh, a lot of the, I, I try to keep it nice and simple. Um, you can find me on the various social media. So Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook are all DN Hills. So DN is a Nancy Hills. Um, you can go to my website to kind of see my portfolio, uh, dnhills.com. Um, you can find various, uh, I know that Mike has posted several of the prints that I have done for him on his uh, website, headlockcomics.com. And you can get several of the prints in t-shirt form, much like your David Arquette t-shirt, at uh, prowrestlingtees.com. And I think you just do a search for Headlocked Comics. 
That's pretty good. And speaking of my David Arquette shirt as well, um, you also got a time to talk to him about that. And what did he think of your print? It was a very, it was a very short conversation. Yeah. And, uh, to, I, I've been very fortunate that, you know, several of the, um, people that I've done stuff for have reached out to me on, on like through direct messages and stuff. And it was basically just like, thank you. Yeah, it was like you did a you did a great job. I you know maybe it looked really cool, and I just kind of said, well, thank you. You know, it it really what matters to me, honestly, is that, and it doesn't it it doesn't matter if it's you know a professional wrestler or celebrity or it's like say if you said, hey, can you make this commission for me? The the end product result for me is that you're happy with what I made for you. Yeah, and uh, that, when, if you, if I, like, you, you could do my example. If you say, hey, I'd like to commission you to make this, this piece for me. I say, okay, cool. And I make the piece, and I send it to you, and you're like, oh, this is fantastic. You know, great. That, that alone, plus the money, it makes me happy. <laughs> you know what I would like to see? Um, I've never seen this done on a cover for Headlock yet or on a T-shirt. I would so get it. Um, you need to do one on the Hot Rod, Rowdy Rowdy Piper. You know, I would not mind doing a Rowdy Piper one. Um, I don't know if, if that's possible, at least through Headlock. I mean, I could do something like that as a, as a probably something for fun. Kind of thing. I don't know for something like that. You have. I think we'd have to like talk to the estate. But this is why Mike handles that kind of stuff. He just says, "Hey, can you draw this?" I'm like, "Yes, I can." <laughs> hey, you know what you need to do? You need to talk to Mike and be like, "Hey, Mike, um, is it all right? I can do a, a cool Roddy Piper uh, commission for Robin." <laughs> <laughs> Hint, hint. <laughs> For a commission of one, yeah. Well, that's a different thing. I mean, if it was, so yeah, that that may be something we we can we can chat about. Oh, I definitely um, would love that. I would send you, I would send you my sketchbook uh, as well because I've got a lot of uh, great sketches from some of my favorite comic artists as well. And it'd be kind of neat to get a uh, Rowdy Rowdy Piper sketch. <laughs> sure. That's always. I will say this: you're not the first person. Not. You're the first person to ask me to do a Roddy Piper, but you're not the first person to ask me to do like a like they would. Uh, I've had a couple of people mail out a sketchbook for me to to draw. Yeah, I've done that, and it was like, wow, that's that's really cool of you. Like um, uh, a, a few years back, um, a guy uh, named Bill had uh, basically said, "Hey, I have the sketchbook of Green Lantern characters. Can you can you do this?" and and I think, yeah, absolutely. And so I, you know, I drew him a Green Lantern. And I got a very nice letter along with the book, like, thanking me for, for doing this and for just being approachable on social media and, and all that stuff. Um, and I think, yeah, kind of going back a little bit when we were talking about, like, respecting these, um, you know, respecting performers and celebrities and that kind of stuff, I think there is something for for me um, to to you know to do that in kind if it, it, it sounds uh, I don't know, it sounds weird for me to go say if a fan of mine comes to me and just kind of like yeah cool absolutely and being respectful because that's 
you're human beings too. Yeah, <laughs> we're all human beings. Hey, that's pretty and, cool. Yep. And so the the general response, on it, and I've had it from a couple of people, and that's like, "Wow, thank you for being like nice." And I was like, "Well, why wouldn't I be?" And it's like, "You, you, you haven't done anything bad to me." And even like when I've had people kind of be rude to me, I still won't quite engage in that. You know, in kind, I'll just like, "Man, I'm I'm sorry you feel that way about me." But I mean, I hope you find something that you know better suited. And it kind of disarms the situation because I think they're gearing for a fight, and I'm just don't, not something I care to do because it's like, is it really worth it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, exactly. Um, and Doug, thank you so much for coming on. To, um, and this was a blast. And thank you for taking um, your time out of your busy schedule to come onto the show. Absolutely. And likewise, thank you for, for asking me to take part. I mean, it was really cool of you to, to ask me to do this. And, you know, kind of like we were saying before about, like, you know, supporting podcasts. Like, yeah, I'm absolutely, if I can help in any way, no matter what, it, stuff like that, like whether it's an interview or that kind of stuff, I'm like, yeah, I'm always happy to, to do what I can. All right. Thank you so much. And everybody else, thank you for listening. Good night.